Welcome to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us this weekend. I'm Jason Kong, and I'm here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, we got to start out this show congratulating you and Thomas. You're a grandfather. Thomas is a father. Your son, this is wonderful. Uh, I know you, uh, I've been doing this show with you for a long time, Bill, and you've uh, you've made it very vocal that you wanted to be a grandfather, and now that, that has happened. Well, it, it is a huge blessing for us all, and it's uh, obviously it's it's a time to celebrate for us, and, and uh, it's just been fantastic. And, and so we, you know, first of all, uh, we're not just blessed with a, a granddaughter, but we are blessed with a, a perfect granddaughter. A- and uh, in fact, Thomas and Jenna don't even know how lucky they are. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they're right now they're sleep deprived and, and uh, those kind of things, as, as one would expect. Uh, and of course, they're just getting started in, in learning how their life uh, is going to be totally altered from anything they've known in the past. So, but for us as grandparents, uh, it, it's the best thing since sliced bread. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, spoil the child, <laughs> ready to roll. But uh, no, we're, we're very, very pleased, very, very fortunate. Uh, Lillian Elise Alexander is the is the new entry into the world, and uh, uh, she will be called Lily. Uh, so we're we're just um, we're just pleased as we can be, and very very fortunate. In fact, um, uh, for Easter we celebrated Easter together uh, as a family, which was wonderful. Uh, in fact, that was the first time they had tried to get everything ready to take the child out of their home to bring uh, Lily to our house uh, where we all had uh, Easter dinner. Uh, and of course, it took them a couple hours more than what they <laughs> anticipated initially, which was to be expected. But that's uh, one of the nice things about changes in family dynamics. So it uh, uh, it's, it's just a a great celebration for us, but I appreciate your your bringing that up. It's a good good way to to start. And I will say that one of the things that for those of us who are fortunate enough to help um, uh, get um, our grandchildren started out on the right foot, you know, we we. Um, uh, and can afford to do some things for them. I will say this. Uh, one of the things that um, uh, concerns me uh, for the future, uh, and it, it may sound surprising, but it, it's actually not related, uh, well, it is related to some degree, but Social Security. You know, there's some folks who think, oh, uh, Social Security won't be here in a few years. And the fact is, that is absolutely wrong. It's going to be here. Uh, but uh, the, it will be, in my opinion, and I think in the opinion of many futuristic um, people who think about the future, um, futurists, I guess, uh, is the fact that uh, by the time Lily 
retires uh, by the time she gets to be 70. So we're talking 70 years from now. In fact, we're probably talking 50 years from now. (laughs) But the fact is that Social Security at that point is predicted to only be enough to pay for uh, acute health care. And uh, what what does that mean? It basically means that um, people are going to have to save an awful lot of money in order to retire because several things are happening at once. Social Security is not going to pay as much as people need to live on, uh, even to the degree that they're very austere. Um, So that's one thing. Uh, Secondly, people are going to be living longer in the future than they do today. Uh, In fact, the insurance companies believe that there will be a percentage of young people born today that will live to be 120. And that's sort of scary because that means a larger percentage will live to be 110 and a larger percentage than that will live to be 100 and a a pretty large number will live into their 90s. And so what it boils down to is people will have to have enough money to retire for somewhere between 20, 30 years or more after they retire. Um, Well, the bottom line is, if Social Security is not going to be sufficient to do anything, guess what? You've got to have enough money not just to eat, but to have a house and to have heat and air conditioning and and, uh, hopefully something for entertainment. (laughs) What I'm getting at is is that uh, I'm afraid that so many people are going down the road and not planning sufficiently ahead. And so, uh, I mean, when, when we recognize, and this is scary because this is something I talk about a lot, but half the people in the United States have little to no savings, less than $500. Well, guess what? That's not enough to retire on. <laughs> in fact, that's not enough to fix your car when it breaks down. So it's uh, th- that is something that is a, a huge issue for families. And so what it boils down to is, are, are there things that we can do to give our children a leg up? And, of course, for, for many, many uh, decades, the trick was, let's help our children go to college to get ahead And, of course, uh, that has been a formula that has worked for decades. But is it going to be enough to to work in the future? And I would be one to say, no, it's not. In fact, my greater concern is not the ability of young people to go to college, but the, the ability of young people when they retire to be able to live comfortably. And so... Uh, to the degree that as parents and grandparents, we can do things to put money back that can grow for 50, 60, 70 years. Um, that is what uh, um, would be a huge leg up because, frankly, we don't know what our grandchildren 
will want to do with their lives. You know, some will be ultra successful and make lots of money and there not be any kind of financial issue in their future. And others will choose careers that are uh, good for the world, good for the community, but don't make much money. (laughs) And it's much harder for those who make less money to have enough uh, in the future for, for all the needs that are, are there. And so it's just something to think about. Uh, but uh, And I have some ideas about it. I don't want to get into it today in terms of all the things that we might do for our grandchildren and our children. But it's it's kind of thing that I think it's important for folks to, to talk about. Uh, actually, there was one other thing I wanted to mention. In fact, you gave it to me, but we received a letter uh, from a listener who actually uh, listens. <laughs> and uh, bottom line, they were able to use some uh, advice that I had given a good while back um, ab- about uh, federal law in terms of um, – the exploitation of seniors. And apparently it hit home because they were able to use that advice in order to uh, get uh, money back from their credit card company uh, for a charge that was inappropriate. Let's just put it that way. But I was very pleased to get the letter uh, and to know that my my advice helped in some small way uh, to, to help uh, the folks that I love. And those are my seniors and my listeners. So that <laughs> so I was really pleased about that. But what I, I actually want to talk about this morning, and, and I hope people won't go, oh, don't talk about that, uh, was I want to talk about irrevocable trusts uh, for asset protection and how they work so that people are not necessarily afraid of them you don't want to be afraid of that and having knowledge is power as uh our wonderful listener who wrote us uh was a wonderful example of that so we we thank you for that and we appreciate everyone who takes the time to listen to this program and we hope that it can be helpful to you and this information can be useful for you as well and don't forget if you would like to schedule some time to speak with Bill, maybe have some documents drawn up or reviewed, or maybe you want to learn more about Bill's free webinars, you can go to WGALaw.com to learn more. From there, you can schedule an appointment to speak with Bill. You can find information about the webinars by clicking on the seminars link. Bill does two webinars every month. This happens on the second Wednesday of the month. We just had our webinars for April, but the next set of webinars is happening on Wednesday, May 10th. If you would like to register and attend, you can do so by going to WGALaw.com and clicking on the seminars button at the top of the page. It's free to do so, free to attend. Bill has two webinars, one dedicated to long-term care assistance. This deals with financial assistance that may be available for you when it comes to the extravagant expenses of long-term care. You can learn about Medicaid, VA benefits, and other forms of assistance that might be available to you. Bill also has another webinar dedicated to asset protection and trust planning. And we're, as Bill mentioned, going to get into a discussion on irrevocable trusts in just a bit. Go to WGALaw.com to learn more, or you can call the office. The phone number is 919 256 
7,000. A quick break and back. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. You can go to WGALaw.com to learn more about Bill and to find more information about his free webinars. WGALaw.com is the place to go. Click on the Seminars button at the top of the page to learn more about Bill's webinars dedicated to long-term care assistance as well as asset protection and trust planning. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, let's dive right into our discussion on irrevocable trusts. Well, I mean, it sounds funny, but we need to start with revocable trusts. I mean, that a revocable trust is the most common trust that is created by lawyers. Um, and uh, oftentimes they're very simple. But the one thing about revocable trust is that while you're alive and well, a revocable trust gives you absolutely no asset protection. There are a lot of folks out there who have the the misunderstanding that any kind of trust gives you asset protection. And that is absolutely false, Uh, not true at all. Now, revocable trusts give you really, really good planning, uh, and I love revocable trust, and the ma- great majority, with rare exception, when I create a revocable trust, it actually turns into an irrevocable trust at some point. And of course, the point in, ter- in which it turns irrevocable is when you die. Uh, now, uh, some folks uh, will create an irrevocable trust for their spouse uh, from their revocable trust. And uh, oftentimes that's what's co- what we call as tax planners a credit shelter trust, but it also can have remarriage restrictions in it, planning. So in other words, an irrevocable trust with your property to protect your children's inheritance uh, in terms of what your surviving spouse goes and does after your death. And a lot of folks are more, more comfortable with that, knowing that their children will actually get that, no matter what their spouse decides to do, um, you, you know, um, because, you know, that's an important consideration for all of us. Uh, you know, the simplest of plans are what I call sweetheart plans, and that's everything to my spouse and then equally to our children. Well, obviously, that has a bugaboo in it. And the bugaboo is that you're trusting your spouse to leave everything to the children when they don't have to. I mean, often, most of the time, they do, of course. But the fact is, is that uh, if a spouse moves on and does other things and, and uh, uh, remarries or whatever, uh, then sometimes we'll see that the children don't receive the property and sometimes none of it. So that's 
part, you know, that's where an irrevocable trust can be very useful uh, and very helpful to, so that you know that the trust that you've created uh, for your spouse also protects your children in terms of their inheriting that no matter what your spouse decides to do after you're gone. Uh, and then the most, uh, most of my trusts also create an irrevocable trust for the children. Uh, and that's important too. We call the, them lifetime asset protection trusts. And uh, of course, uh, why do you do that? Well, often, you know, oftentimes children are inheriting a lot of money and a lot of property. And most of us uh, want to ensure that what our children inherit stays in the family. Uh, and as, as parents, we worry about the high divorce rate. We certainly don't want our inheritance going to an ex-spouse. Uh, we want our inheritance to uh, be enjoyed and appreciated by our children. And then, hopefully, if there's something left, for it to go to the grandchildren, not, uh, uh, not to go to others. Uh, of course, that's assuming that we have grandchildren. <laughs> and, of course, now that I have one, yay, <laughs> there we go. So it's, it's the—but uh, uh, th those are the kind of things that matter to people. And uh, irrevocable trusts uh, certainly help to solve— uh, that problem. Now, um, an irrevocable trust does not mean it's inflexible. That really comes down to how a trust is actually drafted. Um, a, an irrevocable trust can actually be fairly easy to administer. It's just that you have to know a few rules in order to get it done. Now, the other thing, too, is typically uh, we're not, you know, there's some folks who think, oh, well, if you have, have a trust, it has to be have millions of dollars, and you have to have a, a bank or a trust company uh, be the trustee. No, not true at all. Uh, occasionally, I'll, do, I'll have a corporate fiduciary for a trust, but the lion's share of trusts that we create and the lion's share of trusts that are created by most attorneys name a family member as trustee. And typically, uh, for instance, if you leave a trust for your spouse, your spouse can be the trustee or a co-trustee of that trust. You don't have to have a corporate fiduciary. Uh, some folks want that if it's an extremely large trust, that sort of thing. Uh, but again, um, more often than not, it's actually the family member. You leave a irrevocable trust to your child, you want your child to actually be in charge of that trust and have a good bit of control over it. So the, the next piece I want to go into is, is an irrevocable trust irrevocable? Is it irrevocable? In other words, is it, 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 is it solid where it can't be changed? Well, it's solid, but I will tell you that there are lots of things, if it's drafted properly, that you can make changes to uh, inside an irrevocable trust without going to court, uh, and that 
means an awful lot. So anyway, I thought I'd talk about that in our next segment. Excellent. It sounds like you were going to give us the old it depends line on whether or not you can change an irrevocable trust, but we're going to get into that. Don't forget, you can schedule an appointment to speak with Bill. Maybe you are interested in setting up a trust or maybe you've set one up in the past and just can't quite remember if you did everything correctly. It's very important to have those documents reviewed. If you want to schedule some time to speak with Bill, an elder law attorney, go to WGALaw.com wgalaw.com that's also where you can go to register for bill's free webinars bill has an entire webinar dedicated to asset protection and trust planning that you can attend for free and he also has another webinar dedicated to long-term care assistance medicaid va benefits it's again all free to attend free to register there's no cost to you it's just a wonderful educational opportunity to learn more from bill Go to WGALaw.com and click on the Seminars button at the top of the page. The next set of webinars is happening on Wednesday, May 10th. Be sure to register now, WGALaw.com. A quick break and back with more on irrevocable trusts. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be right back. is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. WGALaw.com is where you can go to learn more about Bill. WGALaw.com to register for Bill's free webinars as well. WGALaw.com. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, and we're having a discussion about irrevocable trusts. And Bill, before we took our short little break there, we were sort of pondering the question that it always pops into my mind when it comes to irrevocable trust. And it seems to be implied by the name that it it's irrevocable. Can, can it, you change an irrevocable trust? Well, if it's drafted properly, you can, you can draft an irrevocable trust with lots of flexibility uh, so that you can make certain changes. Uh, now, there are things that you can't change, but you'd be surprised what you can do with an irrevocable trust. So here I create an irrevocable trust, um, and I'm, it, I've done it during my lifetime. It's not one where it comes into being at my death. Now, you can make those flexible, too, where other folks can, can actually make changes, but here I'm the creator of the trust. I'm the grantor. Uh, and, um, so can I change who the trustee is? Yes, I certainly can. I can hire and fire, uh, trustees at my whim if I, if I actually draft the trust that way. Um, I could have a corporate fiduciary. I could have a friend. I could be the trustee, uh, depending on the type of trust it is or co-trustee, but the bottom line is is that if I don't like what the trustee's doing and I'm the grantor and if if I have kept that as a right of the grantor, yes, I can change who the trustee is. 
How about, okay, so I've put property into this trust, and normally an irrevocable trust is oftentimes, if it's done during your lifetime, it's done for tax planning purposes as well as asset protection purposes. And so you want to make sure that that property is outside of your estate. So you have to, uh, there are certain limitations on what kind of changes you, you can make to it. But could I put property in and then go, oops, I didn't mean to put that property in. Can I take it out? Well, if you draft it properly, you can, but you must substitute property of equal value. And in fact, I had this happen with a trust just recently, and it's like, okay, you need to make sure that you have an appraisal of the property that will hold up to the Internal Revenue Service to show that it was of equal value in terms of what you put into the trust uh, in order to take property out of the trust. Well, how about this? Can you change who the beneficiary is? Uh, In other words, let's say that you've created a, a trust for your spouse and your lineal descendants, your children, basically. And one child later, you know, 10 years after you've done it, has basically told you to, that, to, you know, they, they, they don't want to be a part of your life anymore. Uh, don't ever talk to them again. Uh, don't try to contact them that, you know, they've moved off to wherever and they're not a part of your family anymore. So can you make a change to take them out Uh, as a beneficiary. Yes, you can, as long as the trust is drafted with that flexibility, giving you what's called a testamentary power of appointment, where you can reappoint the property in your trust to whomever you wish. So, you know, yes, you can take uh, a a beneficiary uh, who's named in an irrevocable trust out of the trust altogether, and you can take that whole line of people out if, if you you want to do that. Uh, so yes, there's lots and lots of other changes that you can make d- during your lifetime. And you can also uh, allow the beneficiaries through what's called a trust protector after you're gone to make certain changes in your trust as well. In fact, uh, we build into our trusts uh, the ability uh, to change on a yearly basis how a trust is actually taxed as an irrevocable trust. And I'm not going to get into the weeds about the difference between a complex trust and a BDOT trust and things like that. But the fact is, is that we can have an appointed trust protector who can actually make that change for the beneficiary of the trust when it when it's appropriate. We can also make changes in the trust to where, uh, for tax purposes, where the the uh, assets inside the trust pass through as a generation skip to the grandchildren, uh, or if it's appropriate to be able to pass all or part of the trust into the estate of the children 
in order to get what's called the step-up in income tax basis for uh, to avoid capital gains tax. So, uh, frankly, normally it's far better to avoid estate tax than capital gains tax because estate tax is much higher if you have a taxable estate. But the, the And most people um, may have lost some people already. When you talk taxes, people glaze over. But <laughs> I understand. But the point is that with good drafting, you can make a, an irrevocable trust very flexible for future generations uh, or just for the next generation, depending on how long you, you uh, expect your trust to last. It can be very flexible uh, if you just do it right. Well, that, that seems to be the key question. So how do you know on the front end that the, the language is there? Do I, is it important to go see an elder law attorney? How do I know that that flexible language is, is written into the irrevocable trust? Well, you know, it's like this. Um, a, a lot of what I'm talking about today has to do with uh, folks who are a state planning tax attorneys, not necessarily elder law attorneys, because elder law attorneys would not necessarily uh, be familiar with some of these uh, techniques. But uh, tax attorneys, those attorneys who do estate planning uh, for tax planning purposes know exactly what I'm talking about. Gotcha. If you want to schedule some time to speak with Bill, don't forget you can go to WGALaw.com. That's the easiest way to do it. You can also call the office if you'd like. The phone number is 919-256-7000. 919-256-7000. If you found this discussion so far to be helpful for you and you want to learn more, Bill has an entire webinar dedicated to asset protection and trust planning go to wgalaw.com click on the seminars button at the top of the page and from there you can register it's free to do so free to attend you can do it from the comfort of your own home the next set of webinars is happening on wednesday may 10th bill also has a webinar dedicated to long-term care assistance financial assistance in terms of medicaid and va benefits see if those are uh, if you're eligible for those, go to WGALaw.com to learn more. A quick break and back. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. We'll be back after this. Listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. WGALaw.com is where you can go to learn more about Bill, schedule an appointment to speak with him, or find more about Bill's free webinars. If you want to attend one of Bill's webinars dedicated to long term care assistance or asset protection and trust planning, just go to WGALaw.com and click on the seminars button at the top of the page. I am Jason Kong and I'm here with Bill Alexander, and we're having a discussion about irrevocable trusts. And Bill, you know, the name of the show is Asset Protection Today. So, how do irrevocable trusts and asset protection intersect? Well, it's, you know, we've, I've already mentioned that revocable trusts give you absolutely no asset protection while that trust is revocable. So, then the next question is well, 
is an irrevocable trust. Uh, does that give you asset protection? And the answer to that is it depends because so it's important for folks to understand that not all irrevocable trusts give you asset protection. It might give you partial asset protection, or it may give you no asset protection, uh, depending on, again, how your trust is drafted. Now, what makes an irrevocable trust asset protected? Well, it actually comes down to one word, and that's discretion. If the trustee of your trust um, makes its distributions based on its discretion rather than a requirement, then what is discretionary is asset protected. And here, here's an example. If your trust says, uh, I direct my trustee to give all of the income to my spouse uh, at least quarterly. You know, that's a fairly common uh, thing that you would say. Well, guess what? Uh, there's no discretion there. It says, I require you to distribute all of the income to my spouse on a quarterly basis. Well, that's there's no asset protection for that income uh, because it's required to be distributed. On the other hand, uh, if your trust says, um, my trustee in its sole and absolute discretion and unreviewable discretion uh, may uh, distribute uh, income uh, or the principal of the trust uh, to my spouse or my children, uh, uh, then that uh, trust would have asset protection qualities. And so that's really Im important. A another, uh, I normally don't use it in my trust, but a very common um, provision is what we call five-by-five five powers, and that's where my spouse is entitled to at, um, a minimum of, uh, of 5% of the corpus or $5,000, uh, whichever is less or whichever is greater. You know, it depends on how you draft it. Um, now, if you put that in a trust, then that 5% uh, is not going to be asset protected uh, because that's basically saying they're entitled to it. If they ask for it, they get it. So if, if you, depending on how you draft your trust, it might be asset protected, it might not. Now, the great majority of my trusts, with rare exception, I draft them for asset protection. So I want my trustee to have the sole and absolute discretion to distribute income or principal uh, to, to give a, a leg up so that to, to keep out uh, unwanted uh, creditors and, and the like. It's also important for folks to understand <coughs> in North Carolina, you can't create an asset protection trust for yourself. You can create an asset protection trust during your lifetime for your spouse and for your children and, and the like, but you can't make yourself a beneficiary. 
now, you can do that in Tennessee, and I do that myself for, for my clients here uh, in, with a Tennessee trust, uh, which Tennessee has some wonderful laws that we can use for our, our clients' advantages. But, but the fact is that um, in North Carolina, you can't do that. But, you know, when you have a you know, as I mentioned, a lot of the trusts I do are revocable at first, but at your death, you can certainly create a, an ironclad uh, asset protection trust for your spouse. Uh, I have another irrevocable trust that's very common in our practice is one, what we call a supplemental needs trust that we put in our seniors' uh, last will and testament to protect their spouse. Uh, because that, that is a trust that we can use for Medicaid asset protection as well. And it allows you to leave property for your spouse uh, that uh, coordinates with Medicaid. It's not a countable asset, no five-year look back. It's, it's really a pretty cool trust. It's based on federal law. Uh, and it allows you to use that money to supplement your spouse's care in a nursing home or to pay for whatever care they need at home or in assisted living or, or the like. And so um, it's, it's a very, very useful trust for a lot of seniors that uh, we um, appreciate the fact that it, it is an asset protection trust. So, you know, obviously uh, asset protection trusts can be very flexible, they can be used for tax planning. They can be used for asset protection planning. And actually, to me, tax planning is asset protection planning. It's, it's uh, very, very important. Now, uh, one of the things I, I do want to talk about very briefly before we finish today is, is how, um, uh, you know, what are the limitations on a, a trustee in an irrevocable trust? Because it's a little different. With a revocable trust, you can do anything you want to do. Can you do that with an irrevocable trust? Well, again, not exactly, but pretty close depending on how it's drafted. We will get into that, and you can always go to WGALaw.com if you want to schedule some time to speak with Bill, WGALaw.com. You can call the office as well, 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000. You can also call that number if you're interested in attending Bill's free webinars. Bill does these the second Wednesday of every month. This is a wonderful educational opportunity for you to learn more about long-term care assistance, financial assistance that may be available to you if you're dealing with a long-term care crisis. This deals with Medicaid and VA benefits. Bill also has a webinar dedicated to asset protection and trust planning, a lot of the topics that we've been discussing today. If you would like to attend either one, there's no cost. As I said, it's free to do so, free to register. Just go to WGALaw.com and click on the Seminars button at the top of the page. And Bill does these the second Wednesday of every month. The next set of webinars is happening on Wednesday, May 10th. Wednesday, May 10th, if you would like to register Coming up very, very soon, go to WGALaw.com or call 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000.
7,000. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. You can find more about Bill at WGALaw.com, WGALaw.com. To schedule some time to speak with Bill, if you want to have some documents drawn up or have them reviewed by an elder law attorney, that's a great way to get the ball rolling. Or you can call the office 919-256-7000, Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, and we're having a discussion all about irrevocable trusts. Bill, where do we want to go before we head out today? Again, I'll start with revocable trusts. With revocable trust, a trustee, I mean, typically you create a trust, you name yourself as trustee, and you name yourself as beneficiary. And uh, under that kind of scenario, you, with revocable, there are no limitations. You can make distributions for anything. There are no handcuffs and no handcuffs for investments. Now, with an irrevocable trust, uh, the powers you give your trustee could, now I normally don't, but uh, could limit your trustee as to what they can invest in. Uh, and really about the only limitation, uh, depending on what you put in your trust, uh, there are some limitations on uh, S-Corps in terms of uh, investments in small corporations, uh, but uh, that's just a matter of how it's actually administered. Uh, but otherwise, with an irrevocable trust, you can give your trustee uh, pretty much uh, unfettered uh, discretion to invest in anything that they, they think is appropriate, uh, which is what most of us would do. Uh, now, how about distributions? Well, if you appoint your child or your spouse as the trustee, then they will be limited in what they can make distributions for. We call them HEMS standards, H-E-M-S, health, education, maintenance, and support. So those are uh, items in which you can, in fact, uh, make distributions for, and that's a very broad standard. Uh, you, you know, you do have some limitations, but not a whole lot. And of course, uh, we quite frankly define health, education, maintenance, and support in our trust so that trustees can refer to it if they're worried about whether something that they want to do falls into uh, the HEMS standards health, education, maintenance, and support. But here again, this is where drafting can make a difference. We typically will draft an irrevocable trust where an independent trustee can be appointed. And an independent trustee is uh, somebody that's not a beneficiary and not related to them and not under their thumb. They're independent. It might be an attorney. It might be a CPA. It certainly could be a corporate uh, uh, fiduciary. But the, uh, it, it can also be others. It could be other trusted individuals who are not dependent at, in any way upon the beneficiary. And so 
an independent trustee can make a distribution for anything and everything. And so that uh, is an important power. And an independent trustee can be an ad hoc. In other words, you want to make a distribution that's not within the HIMSS standards. But you have the authority to appoint an independent trustee to approve a distribution that falls out of health education, maintenance, and support standards. And so, to me, you can appoint somebody, have the distribution made, and then the independent trustee goes away unless you need them again in the future. So, it can be done lots of different ways, but it's a matter of good drafting. That is what it boils down to. And if you would like to speak with Bill, schedule an appointment to speak with him and have a trust drawn up for yourself, please go to WGALaw.com. You can also call the office. The phone number is 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000. We are out of time for today. We want to, again, congratulate Bill, become a, gra- a grandfather and our Most sincere congratulations to Thomas and Jenna and baby Lily. We are so excited here and we look forward to hearing more stories about Bill's journey as becoming a grandfather. On behalf of Bill Alexander, I'm Jason Kong. Thanking you so much for listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Have a wonderful day.